Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now and welcome to another episode of Nerds with Friends. My name is Cody Leach, and of course, I'm joined by Christian Garcia. Hello. And uh, via Skype, we have uh, Mr. Dave B. Mitchell. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, I did some, uh, I'm not going to lie, I Googled you a little bit to see some of your accolades. And um, I'm just, tell me if I'm right on some of this stuff. So obviously, okay. voice actor. Yeah, and we'll we'll yeah. touch more on that later, but also composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a, I was you know, an actor and musician for pretty much the same since I was a kid in both, and uh, I kind of had set out to when I got out of high school. I actually went to college for music, but I had decided I would do whichever thing kind of came up, whichever opportunity was presenting itself at the moment. I'd just go back and forth, and and uh, you know, fortunately, I've been busy enough as a voice actor that I don't really have time for anything else, but. Uh, but I still, the studio I'm in right now, my home studio, is set up mostly for doing voice acting, but it's also a full music studio, and I still sit and play and compose and stuff, and uh, just for my own amusement. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of my life still. What 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 all instruments do you play, or a little bit of everything? Uh, well, my, my formal training was actually as a saxophone player, all jazz and classical. Nice. Um, but I've been playing since high school. I was started drumming in high school, and I've been playing mostly keys, piano, for the last you know thirty plus years because I'm old, um, <laughs> and I and I got into that as a composer uh, mostly just and we also you know my, my mom played piano we had a piano in the house so it's kind of always there and I've just always loved the piano and I really really love synths and electronic instruments and since I was a kid the first time I heard you know in the '70s hearing some of the first analog synthesizers I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world and I love those sounds and then I actually have something really cool uh, here in the studio that I own. Um, now, this is an older band, so I don't expect everyone to know, but if, if you're a fan of Supernatural, you may know the band. You know the band Kansas. Of course. Carry on Wayward Son. Yeah. Well, I bought something a few years ago that I had to have. I'd always wanted to own a Minimoog, which is like one of the classic synthesizers. Absolutely. I, I actually have, I have Kerry Livgren's original Minimoog that he used in the studio and on tour on the first four Kansas albums. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually own that instrument. It's sitting about three feet away from me right now. And it was one of those things my old songwriting partner showed it to me one day. He's like, hey, look for it's for sale on eBay. It's, it's uh, you know, it's Kerry Ligman's Mini Moog. And I was like, um, I think I have to buy that. And he said, I think you do too. So I did. That's so awesome. Does, does it still work? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. And it's it's cool because I actually went to see Kansas um, on the Left Overture tour. I think, was it last year where they were doing the whole album, which is the original album that Carry On was on. Right. And... One of the one of their techs was out setting everything up, and I walked up to him just because I thought he'd get a kick out of it. So I said, "Hey, I want to show you a picture of something that I have at home." 
and he looks at it without uh, without anything at all. He goes, "Oh, Carrie Logan's mini mug. That's really cool with the uh, with the cigarette burn right by the the pitch bend wheel from the original bass player." I'm like, "What?" So it is. There's a cigarette oh, burn so right cool. by the pitch bend wheel. I didn't know where it came from. The fact that he gave me that little bit of provenance was really oh, cool. Oh yeah, so. that's awesome. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time I got to play and play with a mini mug. Uh, my friend worked at the uh, Haight Ashbury Music Center for a while, and they had one. And um, I remember I just, like, it was super cool trying to press all the buttons and figure everything out. Yeah. Couldn't really replicate any of those sounds that I knew and loved, but I knew they were in there somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still a cool instrument. I, and the fact that the first thing I did when I got it was I, I kind of cobbled together a pack that was sort of similar. And back in the, my cover band days, we used to play Journey from Maryabron off the first Kansas album. So I pulled up a video on YouTube of them playing it live. And right there on stage, you can see, like, where when the panels open, it's actually got KL written on the side magic marker. Oh, cool. And then on the back, it's got the old Dymo label tape. It says K. Livgren. So he's got it open, and I can see the KL. And I've got my hand on the – and I'm playing along with the video. And I realize I'm playing the instrument that Carrie Livgren is playing on stage, playing that song. And I'm just sitting here, you know, just geeking out of my mind. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. Absolutely. That's that's yeah. the coolest thing ever. I mean, and they're just, they're one of those, like, synthesized, synthesizer bands that really, you know, got the ball rolling. Them and, like, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and, you know. Yeah, Keith, Keith Emerson's my all-time god of rock keyboard players. Oh, for so. sure. He's so good. Yeah, he's, he's my, and, and Kansas, Kansas is actually probably my second favorite band. Dream Theater is my favorite band. Ooh, okay. Um, which, so there's, there's some geek cred right there, because that's, you know, that's definitely musician, you know, brain music. So it's, and they're my favorite band, but Kansas you know, close second, EOP, huge fan because Keith was the man. Yeah. And, yeah, so, yeah, stuff like that, Rush. I mean, that's really, you know, I, I still love jazz and classical, and I listen to a lot of stuff, like Old Tangerine Dream for electronic music, which I really love. Um, but, th- yeah, those are definitely kind of my, my standard wheelhouse is kind of right there, and then I, you know, I branch out. But that's uh, that's probably the core of where I'm at most of the time. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big 70s fan. Like, I, you know, Neil Young's one of my all-time favorites. And then, sure. you know, got to get down with some like led zeppelin but i also well, i also like i really like 10 years after and not a lot of people know who they are I, but uh, yeah i know that band actually. yeah they're awesome they played at woodstock yeah. you know they did like a yeah. 15 minute song called going home and it's just for any of the music geeks out there check that out because it's amazing <laughs> yeah it's cool that's cool um so uh uh we like to start to show off with a little section we call nerdy confessions where we kind of confess confess a thing that really defines us as a nerd some, something new something fun that we're we're super stoked about um we talked a bit, little bit before the show um and I'll, I'll start it off just to get the ball rolling um i was reading this week that um uh amazon prime is in pre-production for robert jordan's wheel of time adaptation for a new series and i am super juiced about it i mean i'm about halfway through that 14 book like series and it's i'm super excited like by the time i'm done with all of them it'll probably be a show i'm, I'm not that, aware yeah. of the series yeah. so I, I feel like i need to catch up on well, it. well you should definitely you have time but not much time <laughs> because 14 books long read fast that's all yeah yeah so you you've read that one i haven't actually it's uh, and i'm a voracious reader and i've read you know uh, typically pretty like hard sf was kind of my my favorite genre but um yeah that one i've not read but a lot of my friends have and it's one of the things that they just constantly rave about yeah it's one of these like you know 
classic, uh, you know, fantasy sword and sorcery type deal. Uh, And one one thing that I thought was kind of interesting on it was the author, Robert Jordan, um, which is actually a pen name, which is a not a very interesting pen name. But anyway, um, he uh, he actually passed away before finishing the series. And this other fantasy writer, uh, Brian Sanderson, uh, picked up and finished the last, I think it was two or three books um, and did such a great job that it kind of propelled him to do his own. Uh, book series called uh, Stormlight Archive, which is another you know kind of cool fantasy uh, series, and I actually read that first. And when I found out about where he kind of got his start, that kind of pulled me into the real time, and it's it's great. I love it. But there, cool. but there's a uh, there's a lot of characters in it, um, and there's a lot of like cool creatures and stuff that they uh, fight. So very excited to uh, see more of that coming soon from Amazon Prime TV. Well, most, pe- most people don't realize that Robert Jordan's real name was Schlurm Durdleherber, <laughs> so it's probably why he went with Robert Yeah, and it looks a lot better on a hardback. <laughs> easier to spell, you yeah. know, it's easier to look up. It's right so next. If you go to the cart catalog, you're like, I don't know how to look this yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. So. Like, is there a C in there, or is it a Z? We don't know. It's just S it's actually, something. It's actually it's a silent five, yeah. which is really weird. You don't get a lot of those, that's so true. yeah, that's really confusing. S5. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Christian, what, how about you? What's your nerd confession this week? I, uh, as much as I don't want to be upset, I'm a little upset that uh, Red Dead Redemption got pushed back a little bit. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, it got pushed back. Yeah, I didn't hear that either. Actually. So I'm like, ah, uh, you know, if they need time, like I respect people who worked on it. You know, everyone, if they need a little bit extra time to finish it, go for it. But it's like, it's like I want to play it. <laughs> when, when did it get pushed back to? Was it a solid date? Uh, I don't remember. I'm not going to look it up right now, but it got... A little bummed out, but yeah. I know, mean, we'll get it if it, you know they're probably working on the horse testicles going up to winter because <laughs> it's important. <laughs> that makes sense. It pulls yeah. me out of the game if I don't yeah. see that happening. If that doesn't happen, then you know, pulls, I'm not pulls you get out. Into see it. what you just did there. I, I got that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you know, realism is what I'm looking for, um, and uh, particularly where horse testicles are. Involved. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> grew up on a farm, and that's what really does it for me. <laughs> Like, hey, those shouldn't be out there. It's cold. Yep. Like Fake. It's like at that temperature, really, they should be. This game is higher. crap, man. Yeah. Uh, Dave, how about you? What's what's your nerdy confession? Um, I don't know if it's so much a confession because I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not in any way ashamed of any of my nerdiness. <laughs> I'm, I wear it proudly since I was a kid, and you know, the fact that I get to basically be paid to work in my nerddom is amazing. Um. But I have something that's probably like super serious nerd cred. Um, it probably the single, to this day, still probably my single favorite experience I ever had was a few years ago. And this is sad because he just passed away. But I actually got to have dinner with Harlan Ellison. That's pretty impressive if I knew who that was. <laughs> but Harlan Ellison. Okay, now, so, wait. okay. There's I'm people ready to listening to this right now going, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I know. I- I might know once you start talking about who it is. Uh, Ellison, w- in my estimation, he's one of my sort of like holy trinity of sci-fi writers. Um, the thing that you might know him for, for our, perver- our previous conversation, was uh, he was originally credited with writing Sin of the Edge of Forever for oh, the Star that. Trek. But Ellison it was one of the most prolific writers uh, of the 20th century, probably in my mind, the best short story writer I've ever read. Oh, okay. Uh, and he might have even been a better essayist than he was a short story writer, but he was 
He was. He used to have a bit. There was a show when Sci-Fi Channel first started, back when it was really, really cool because they were desperate for programming, so they were just kind of throwing anything they could find on TV, and they had a show called Sci-Fi Buzz, which podcasts have kind of picked up where that left off, which is cool, but this was a half-hour show every week where it was like a news magazine show where they just talked about the world of sci-fi and fantasy, and there's nothing like that on TV right now, which is weird because sci-fi and fantasy has gone so mainstream and it's so much more well-known now, but he had a bit that was basically... Uh, a column that he used to do, I think, for one of the LA papers called Harlan Ellison's Watching, and it was an editorial thing, and of course, he was he was famously, he did not suffer fools, not only gladly, he didn't suffer them at all, and he was he was irascible and curmudgeonly, and also when I got to meet him, one of the mo- one of the warmest, nicest guys I ever met. He was amazing. Um, but he, so do yourself a favor, I'm going to tell you, this is for everybody, if you haven't read Ellison and you are a science fiction reader, there's probably the best place to start. There's a 50-year compendium called The Essential Elephants, and okay. it's loaded with a lot of his short story stuff. Um, I still think he and Philip K. Dick were probably the best titleists oh, yeah. ever. And the, like, their titles alone are better than a lot of people's work. <laughs> and, and Ellison had a huge career in TV. He had a career in film, um, you know, prolific writer, essayist, but his short stories are where he really, really shines. And and he managed to write intellectually and viscerally at the same time. Um, there's a story, probably my favorite story from him is one called One Life Furnished in Early Poverty. And it's pretty autobiographical. It's cerebral, but it's also like a punch in the stomach. Ooh. And that's kind of what characterizes Ellison's writing across the board, is cerebral, but punch in the stomach. You may have heard of I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. That's Harlan Ellison. Um, just do yourself a favor. Just look him up, read some of his stuff. He's one of the greatest writers in science fiction history. He hated being called a sci-fi writer. He felt he felt more like he was a fantasist, um, and because he he thought sci-fi was kind of they kind of in the literary world they considered that sort of the ghetto. That's like oh well, that's not real serious writing, sure. and, you know. And some of the best writers that have ever put pen to paper were science fiction Absolutely. writers. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but so that was not nearly as impressive as I hoped it would be. Um, but to somebody listening, they're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. So, But now you have a thing to do. Now yeah, go read well some Ellison because I'll guarantee you, you'll, you'll, he's amazing. So Absolutely. His novels, not as good. Okay. Um, they're still good, but they, don't, they definitely don't stand up to his short, short stories. Story. So The Essential Ellison, great place to start because it's just a huge collection of his stuff you can kind of jump around to if you want to. So I have two things to say. First, I feel like I should – I should try to give myself a little credit. Like I'm surprised I haven't heard of him because I love Philip K. Dick. I also love Raymond Brad Ray Bradbury, and then um, one of my favorite uh, uh, favorite short story art, uh, authors is uh, Raymond Carver, which isn't really sci-fi, sure. but uh, also an excellent excellent writer. So I am very I'm super. I consider myself a pretty well-read person, and I'm very surprised. Turns out you're not Cody. Turns out not. Turns out I'm a big faker. <laughs> But uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. That, okay. that sounds great. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you off the hook here. Then I'm going to embarrass myself for your benefit. Um, so okay, here's here's a confession that is that I'm almost ashamed to say. Ooh, I'm ready. I've never read Dune. Ooh. Well, I've never read Dune either. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. But I, I I actually own a copy of it. But I I started I started I got you know a couple chapters and I'm like ooh this is a dense dense book so uh one of these days i will finish dune but uh that yeah i mean that's the, all, all three of us are in on that confession that's yeah, for sure so. well, I, 
I'm 49 years old and a huge sci-fi reader, and I've never read Dune. So yeah. I, that that's my throwing myself on the sword for you. <laughs> well, we we can hang out because we all haven't read. It. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that, and you know, Nerds of Friends is a safe place for for you know nerds who have little uh, gaps in their knowledge. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm gonna, I'm I already bookmarked uh, his, uh, the page, so I'm going to pick up some of those short stories. I actually love short stor- stories uh, because I feel like to make a too. really good one where you're invested in the characters and and the settings and you know whatever is happening in the plot when it's only you know six or seven pages long or like even 20 pages long it's amazing to be able to create and develop characters in that short of a time and make it compelling i think it's i think it's your your fear of commitment you don't want to commit to a whole that's also true yeah well and yeah there i mean there is something about being able to deliver you know the full breadth and depth of of a universe yeah of a fictional universe in a show. The best short story I ever read, because when I was in high school, I used to go to, I'm from Colorado, I used to go to the B Library downtown over the summer, and I would check out these big stacks of sci-fi anthologies, and I'd go home and read all the short stories. Yeah. The best one I ever read, because it it does that thing where it managed to actually encapsulate everything you could possibly tell about a universe and a story in one sentence. Ooh. And so it, it was a <laughs> it was a story called "Sign at the End of the Universe." Okay, it's the name of the story, and the entire story is this end up, but it's printed upside down. Huh. That's that's cool. That's kind of like oh, who who did that other one line? Uh, was it was it like Hemingway or something? Where it was like you know, uh, uh, for sale, baby's shoes never worn. It's like oh, it's just like one sentence, but you're always like, you're like oh yeah, but is it, yeah, you know, there's something yeah, there, it's like, but yeah, oh my gosh, this end up that explains everything. That, okay, every everything in the universe just got explained, so we're all exactly, good. exactly. I one of my favorite short stories. It's not it's not that short compared to those two, <laughs> but um, I really loved. Uh, I think it was Bradbury who did it. Was uh, there will come softly falling rains, or I might have misworded that, but it's all about it's all about smart home basically, which mm-hmm. now. Everyone's got a freaking Alexa or Google Home, not a sponsor, but um, <laughs> uh, every, everyone's got you know lights that turn on and off kind of thing. You got the little Roomba vacuum and stuff. Ray Bradbury predicted that you know back when you know I don't remember wh- when that story was written, but it was like in the you know fifties or sixties or whatever, whenever he was putting together his anthologies, and it talks about like you know, um, this smart home that is continuing to function even though the world outside has ended kind of thing. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, check it out, anyone who's interested in a little taste of sci-fi. Um, I, I think it's There Will Come Softly Falling Rains or There Will Come Falling Softly Something, rain, something like that. Correct me uh, in the comments on our Facebook. But awesome. Yeah. I'm glad we're all on the same page. This this is going to be a good show. I'm already excited. Uh, apparently, it's a page that none of us have read, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's there, and we all agree it's probably great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. So, we're, we're, okay. So, we're in the same place. Anyway. Yeah, we're in the same place. Um, so, uh, you know, we mentioned before, obviously, you've been doing voice acting for a while. Um, so some of the, the titles that, uh, that we were able to find out and, um, you know, that are littered throughout your Wikipedia page. There's way too many to uh, to list off all, but you know, Black Ops Four just came out. You were in, yep. involved in that. Some of the Halo series, Final Fantasy, Batman: Arkham Knight, and then 
uh, one of uh, Christian and I's personal favorites, the new Spider-Man Four. Maybe some people have heard of it. PS Four. Yeah, we game. did like we've done like two episodes where we've mentioned it in a row. The now. game is really fucking great. <laughs> I mean, it's a really great game. So it's yeah. It's, I mean, there's I a mean, lot I, I will say I've said this numerous times, but it's if it's not the best thing I've ever been involved with, it's certainly one of the very best things I've ever been involved with. Just everybody, everybody brought their A game on this thing. Uh, you know, the cast was insane. Uh, all the work that the artists and writers and animators and programmers and you know sound designers and and directors and and composers every every single piece of this thing is just a masterpiece. It's next level stuff. It really even is. story wise. And I'm just it was, it was oh, yeah. Story. No, that's what I'm saying. The writers, it's so good. And as you know, as geeks and nerds like who love that universe and love those characters, uh, it just they actually did a thing where. Um, they had put together Insomniac put together a bunch of the cutscenes from the from the game, um, mostly the stuff that dealt with obviously Peter Spider-Man, um, Mary Jane, sure. Yuri, um, Aunt May, Doc Ock, and Mister Negative. So like all the stuff they didn't put in like Shocker and Vulture and and Electro and all those, but they cut this together into an almost two-hour film, wow. and they took and they brought the cast and crew over to a theater and actually showed it to us. Oh, it's so cool. And, yeah, and when we walked out of there, every one of us was just blown away because I, we kind of felt universally, it's like, that might be the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Yeah, and they've tried <laughs> several <laughs> times. And there's some Spider-Man movies I really, really love, but sure. but this thing was just so good, and everybody in it was insane. Just everything about it, it's a masterpiece, and I am beyond thrilled to have had anything to do with it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it, and uh, I don't know if we've officially mentioned it or not, but you played the Shocker, one yeah, of Spider-Man's longtime rivals. I will say one, he was the one most of his annoying toughest to as well. He was one of yeah, the harder one ones of the to toughest fight. guys for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. In the comics, he was one of the toughest. Oh guys, yeah, so. absolutely. And I always liked him too because he, you know, for you know, in the world of Spider-Man, there's so many villains out there that you know have crazy powers and stuff like that. Shocker, you know, he has some technology behind him, but that's kind of it, you know. And yeah. and he still constantly has you know gives uh peter parker a run for his money oh he's he's had spidey on the ropes numerous times and he only got out of it because he was saved by somebody else right. and then the one time he had him dead to rights and and he you know he was going to take him out but then he had that attack of vertigo and herman looked at him and was kind of like you know what this is not a worthy end for you Ooh. we'll do this another time awesome. which was very very cool because it's like you know he he still respected him and it was like okay i could kill you but where's the you know where's the victory in that you're disabled basically and i so no we'll do it another time right and that that's cool that's cool that that is so, that is so cool um yeah. one, one thing i was hoping during the game is I, I was hoping and i know they wouldn't do it but make you know some kind of shocker joke like you know oh, rocker with the shocker yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, they're probably not gonna go there. You, you don't have to make that joke because everyone's thinking it. Because <laughs> it's 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 there. Well, it's funny how many people are like when they've been making jokes about the character on social media, and I, which I'd say, by the way, the the huge outpouring of support and praise that I've gotten from fans for this thing is has just absolutely overwhelmed me because you know I really I care about the character, I care about that universe, and. It's always tricky when you're you know, bringing life to a character that people have lived with for a long time. So it, it's, it, it's an iffy proposition whether people are going to accept it or not. So 
the fact that I've gotten so much interaction from people about it, I'm just, I'm so, so grateful and just overwhelmed by it. Um, and it's funny, though, because people will constantly make shock jokes about him, but they like to make electricity jokes about him. It's like, no, that's electro. Yeah. Electro is electricity. Shocker is shockwave. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we got to make sure we keep those two two separate. So. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, you know it, I think that's kind of one of those things where you can tell when someone's not like a super Spider-Man fan is when they're like, oh, he just shoots electricity. I'm like, whoa, bro. He does not shoot electricity. That's electro played by Jamie Foxx. You know, okay. yeah, and, that, or and by, by or by Josh Keaton in the game. That, that's so. true. That's true. Um, yeah, and um, so, and you're you're no stranger to the Spider Verse. You were in some of the other games as well, right? Yeah, this actually was the fourth Spider Man game that I worked on. That's amazing. Um, yeah, the the other uh, the other three, two of them, I was just sort of like you know ancillary characters, bystanders, cops, whatever. Uh, in I want to say it was. Shadow Dimensions. I was actually Otto Octavius cool. in that game, uh, sort of the pre-Doc Ock version of Otto. Um, but having said that, that you know, I played him and I was thrilled to do it, and it was so much fun. To me, Bill Salyers is hands down Doc Ock. Yeah, his performance as Doc Ock in this game, and I've told him this a uh, hundred times. It, he is my favorite Doctor Octopus. Everything they did with the character, what he did with it, what the artists and the writers did with it. This is the best version of Doc Ock we've ever seen, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and and even like the transition from when he was like the you know building and he was like this kind guy, and you're like, oh man, I feel for him. Like, yeah, I really like. I hope exactly. I want to help yeah. Doc Ock. Yeah, it's like, I know this is yeah, going to a bad place, but I want to help him out. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, because he had noble goals. He was trying to do something to help humanity. He really was. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that has worked so well in this game is that that just the, the writers did such because again they're they're all fans and they love these characters they love this universe and they really wanted to to do something special and and honor the history of it and, but also do something new and that's one of the cool things that i've heard a lot from people about shocker and, and it's good that people got this uh because it's what we were going for is the fact that the entire interaction that spidey and herman have herman doesn't want to do what he's doing yeah, he really doesn't, and he's trying to plead with Spider-Man, saying, "Look, I don't want to get involved with this, but I have to do this. Please, just let me go, and we're not going to have a problem. I don't want to hurt you." Obviously, Spidey doesn't listen, and so we end up with, you know, things like, "Have it your way. You want to fight? Let's fight!" <laughs> and that's where that goes. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. It's like I was playing yeah. that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like I heard that cutscene again. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> You didn't think I was not going to throw that in there for you. Of course, you. We, we were hoping. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting too is even like the, when we first, when we first did into the sessions for this, Chris Zimmerman was directing. She's one of the best voice directors on earth, and she's my friend, and she's amazing. And um, so we did, we recorded all that stuff, you know, the the chase, the bank scene, and the boss battle. And then I came back again, and they said, "Okay, so we're going to re-record everything." Um, it's not because of you. It's not because they didn't love what you did, but uh, but his voice had a lot more texture to it. It was a lot more gravelly the first pass through. When they put the helmet filter on it, they realized because of the filter and the gravel, half the dialogue was almost unintelligible. You couldn't really hear <laughs> what he was saying. So we went back and, and basically just tried to recreate the performances and you know working off picture of what they already had animated. 
and and re-recorded it with what I just did, and when you put the helmet filter on it, it, it you know gives it some of that anyway. But huh. but yeah, so I ended up having to do everything twice. That's crazy. Well, it turned yeah. out excellent yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm happy. Uh, thank you. I'm happy that people. I mean, I I love it. It's and just to get to you know play that character when because when I went in, I actually didn't know who I was playing. Ooh. I I knew what the project was. I uh, it was under a code name, but you know from some of the, the sides, it's like, uh, well, when you say, "Hey, Spider Man," it pretty much gives it away. <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's interesting. So, so they hired so you before you even knew the part. They're just like, "Oh, we're gonna take him and we'll tell him what he's playing later." Well, yeah, because I, I actually auditioned for like a lot of these things. I'm very fortunate in that most of the games that that I get to audition for, I end up auditioning for a bunch of different parts just because I do a lot of different things. So. Um, so I had auditioned for several roles for this, and it was when I got there that Chris told me, so, you're playing Shocker. And I was like, I am? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was not unhappy about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, cool. so yeah, that was, that was pretty cool, actually, um, to go in there and, you know, not only that, and, and I've said this in a couple of different uh, interviews, but I've had a bunch of friends who've played Spider-Man. And I think they're all awesome. And every time every one of them was cast, I'm like, that's fantastic. He's going to be great. Every one of them has been great. But, and all due respect to all of them who I think are marvelous, but if I was standing out in an open field somewhere and somebody said, hey, uh, Dave, uh, we need some guy to play Spider-Man. Who you got? I would have said, um, Yuri Lowenthal. That's who you want. Yeah. Because uh, he's perfect. Oh, it's amazing. This, he's per And Yuri is, and I'm beating a dead horse here, but... Yuri's not only one of my favorite voice actors, he's one of my very favorite human beings. Um, he's just, I, he and Tara both are amazing and just one of my very favorite people. We've been friends for years and, and I count myself lucky to be able to call him my friend and, and also just to get to see his work because he's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I, you know, you've already said it multiple times. I mean, the, the whole cast of, of this game and not only that, from, from the, you know, the people actually making, doing like the, the I'm sure there was some mocap involved and you know, oh, yeah, a lot, all yeah. the design and stuff. It, it looks amazing. It, it Everything sounds amazing. It's it's the best Spider-Man game I've ever played. And oh, yeah. previous, previous to that, yeah. I think probably one of my favorites was Spider-Man 2, which I think was PlayStation 2. And I mean, this one is, you know, leaps and bounds above what I could have imagined uh, a, even any superhero game to be. I did enjoy Shattered oh, Dimensions. Sure. Shattered Dimensions was fun. Yep, I, I enjoyed that one too. But, I mean, it's compared to this, it's, you know, this is... Well, yeah, I mean, I think the thing with, with Edge of Time and Shattered Dimensions and those, I mean, they, they were great games, and I loved working on them. Um, I think that they still have, uh, performance-wise and the way the games were done, they still have more of a comic book feel. They're almost... Edging towards cartoony without being goofy, but they're they're almost more like what some of the animated shows have been. Where, like, certainly my version of Otto was a lot broader and a lot bigger than Bill's. Sure. Um, but this, everything about this, just the fact that yeah, they did all the facial capture and the motion capture, and the fact that playing a game, you're looking at the faces of these characters and you know what the actor is thinking because you can see it on their face. Yeah, absolutely. And you know it's. It's so easy for, you know, a big game like this where, you know, obviously you got all of New York City is gigantic and, you know, there's all these little things happening. And, and accurate. Yeah. yeah, very accurate. And, like, there's there's little, like, crimes going on everywhere. There's birds flying around. There's, you know, weather and stuff. It's very easy with a big game like that 
to have these, you know, kind of lackluster cutscenes. But sure. this one feels like, you know, well, the car chases in particular, yeah. Oh yeah, like the car chases and stuff. But like all these little cutscenes and stuff, you know, they're they're better than like something that like Naughty Dog would do, you know, which is one of those companies known for making you know really like really great cinematic cutscenes. And this one is just oh, as good, totally, if yeah. not better. Well, and I, I think one of the like one of my favorite moments, and these are spoilers. If you haven't played the game, one, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Go play the game right now. Um, this is recorded. You can play this later. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments is when Peter is in MJ's apartment and he changes into the spider suit and he's about to go out the window and she looks at him and says, did you just leave your clothes on the kitchen floor? Yeah. And he looks at her and quietly just yeah. walks backwards back into the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and Yuri told me that Yuri told me that wasn't actually in there. He, they they improv that on the spot. Oh, that's, oh, that's pretty that funny. When she, she delivered the line, he just kind of quietly crept backwards, and everybody went, okay, that's in the game, because that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that, and also, uh, I think one thing that, uh, somebody I don't think has been mentioned as much because it's not one of the big hero characters, but Nancy Lenari's Aunt May. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She's great. She's unbelievable. Yeah. And she's super, super nice. She's very sweet. Um, she was worried when she saw the, the the movie. She's like, "Wait a minute! They aged me up, right? I don't look that old." And she, <laughs> she's, she's she's beautiful and she's amazing. And but oh my god! And again, spoiler: if anybody hasn't played the game, I'm not gonna say it. But I'm we're sitting in the theater. I'm sitting next to Dave Fenoy, and we're both every five minutes elbowing each other, going, "This is so freaking good! How can this be this good?" At the end, we're all crying. Oh yeah. I'm like. We're watching cutscenes from a video game, and I'm in tears. Oh yeah, because this just ripped my heart out. I know. And it, when does that ever happen? It's yeah, very, very few and far between. You mentioned it a little bit before, but like the only other game where I like genuinely got upset, aside from this one, was uh, like Last of Us. You know, there's some very sad stuff that happens in there. Yeah, that what are you talking about? Last of Us was such an upbeat game. game. Oh. <laughs> so upbeat. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a funniest game of the year. I just I like to play Last of Us with uh with headphones in, just listening to like Smash Mouth, and it's just it makes it so much more like perky and like you know they're just walking through sure. the forest fighting zombies, and they're happy, which yeah, good. exactly. It's fun. You know. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about like how did you first start voice acting? Like what what led to that, and you know, w- what steps did you take to kind of you know build the career you have now? Um, the short version is, um, like probably a lot of us, and you'll get this answer if you ask just about anybody that's, that is a working voice actor, especially the, you know, the real character kind of person. Um, you know, we were the kids in school that were getting in trouble for doing voices in class. Sure. Um, and so, you know, from early age, I was involved in, in music and theater all through elementary, junior high, high school, um, you know, went to college. Um, and so it was always just sort of an innate part of who I was and um, my big thing is um, accents and dialects it's kind of what I'm known for more than anything and it's it's because I have a good ear and I, if I hear something usually if I hear it I can reproduce it as far as that sort of thing goes impressions are a different story I actually think it's the thing I'm worst at of all the things I do and oh. I know plenty of got plenty of friends who are unbelievable with impressions but um, but it's really just having a good ear so I can't really, I can't take credit for that. That's not something I earned. It's just something that, you know, everybody's born with their lottery ticket and they scratch it off and go, oh, well, here's the things I can do. Yeah. Um, and that just happened to be one of mine. 
but over the time, over time, you kind of figure out, oh, you know, this is this is an interesting skill. This is something that I might be able to apply to something. And so eventually, I thought, you know, I, I would kind of like to take a crack at this. So I, I was living in, I had moved to Boston for, um, I had a band out there with a, with a buddy of mine who was going to Berkeley at the time. And just kind of at the tail end of my time there, it was like, mm, maybe I should start trying to trying to do this. So we made a, you know, just horrible little demo at home. <laughs> um, the recording quality was good, but I, I, I found it, I think, recently. I listened back to it. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we let people hear oh, this. Oh, don't worry. I've been there. Um, <laughs> but um, but so just kind of did that, and then I kind of bounced around a few cities and just sort of um, just kept working and kind of putting myself out there and, and you know getting in and getting with people and and showing what I could do and not being a jerk um, so they would want to hire you again. That's important. Um, people people don't uh, put enough emphasis on it's that. Funny what a big part of it that is. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, especially at this level, nobody's got the time to deal with attitude. Nobody, you know, everybody's under the gun. They're you know the, they're running behind schedule. They're over budget. Whatever. They just want you to come in, show up on time, be professional, be easy to work with, do your job to the best of your ability, and make their lives easier. Right. And that's so I have my cardinal rule of anything, and it really applies to life, but especially in this business is. Check your ego at the door. It's not about you. Yeah, exactly. If it's if it's your project, it's a little different. If you have a vision and something you're trying to accomplish, well, then, yeah, you're going to fight for that, and that's understandable. But as a general rule, I kind of liken what I do to being a studio musician. It's like you hire me because I've got the chops to come in and play anything you can put in front of me. But sometimes you just need me to play whole notes. Right. And if that's what you need, I need to play the whole note because no whole note, no chord, no chord, no melody, no, no melody, no music. Yeah. So... It's it's not a, it's just show up, be thankful you're there, do your job to the best of your ability, fulfill their needs, and then go away. <laughs> and then if you do those things, then they'll probably call you to work on the next one. So I, I love that analogy. Towards the end, it, got, it sounded almost like little little forest, <laughs> which is yeah. like come in, fulfill their needs, and then. You can. <laughs> I, I I prefer to think of it as mercenary. Yeah, there we go. Much. Exactly. That's, <laughs> That's just where my mind goes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I just uh, I prefer to think of it the other way. Yeah, exactly. Just depends on what shoes you're wearing. That's yeah, all. That day. <laughs> high or not. High heels or combat boots. <laughs> Why not high heel combat there boots? There we go. Why limit yourself? Uh, you see, creativity, that's the key. Exactly. Exactly. Making good choices. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Strong choices. A very strong choice exactly. made with those high heel combat boots. <laughs> Yeah, what? it's the wrong choice, but it is a strong wrong, choice. but strong. Um, exactly. uh, one of the things I've always wondered about voice actors, because um, you know, uh, we had a, a, another voice actor on uh, previously who who did some stuff in uh, what he did like Just Cause or something like that. Okay. I don't remember. It, it was a couple a couple other video games, um, but uh, I've always wondered, like when when it says additional voices. Like, how does that process work? Are you just, uh, do they just give you a bunch of dialogue to say, or do you have a little fun with it? Or do they have like little characters written for each of these police officers or pedestrians or what have you? Uh, it, it depends. I mean, mostly it's the last one because, you know, the, especially with the, the bigger games, like you mentioned earlier, some of the Arkham games, I've done all the Arkham games since Arkham Origins. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, 
And even though I'm playing, you know, tertiary, ancillary characters, you know, GCPD, Thug 3, I think I actually was Thug 3 in Origin. Nice. Um, he was my favorite. They're, yeah, they're, and, they're, and they're all named in, uh, or, you know, like Orc 5 in, uh, in the, uh, you know, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of, uh, Shadow of War. <laughs> awesome um, games, by the way. But, but, yeah, amazing. But that's the thing, is that those games, they're, they're so concerned now with world building and immersion, where they, they really want the players to get immersed in that world to buy everything and to have and just to have it have that sense of authenticity. So even with those characters, all the dialogues written, they've got, you know, thousands of lines of dialogue written for characters that are not even named characters. But that's because if you're Batman sneaking through the rafters and you see a couple of thugs down below, they're having a conversation that's that's totally part of the world that you're inhabiting. So you hear that and it just keeps you in that place. It, and it sometimes it'll feed you some additional information and sometimes it's just for color, but all of those things uh, are there for a reason, and you know they they go to great pains to record tons and tons and tons of stuff. So because you, not everything will even get triggered, so there are things that get recorded that you could play through the game three four times right. and maybe not hear the same dialogue, which is kind of the plan because you want to have replay value. You don't want to feel like I'm just going through the motions again. You want each time through, you want it to be another journey. You know that's so that's super interesting. Like. Since like I I figured as much because there's a couple games where you do hear like you do hear a lot of like characters talking it's like you know I haven't heard that sound like that's new so that's crazy I wonder how many games I've gone through where just like there's so many other yeah you only heard one version of it you didn't even he- yeah. hear the complete game because it entirely depends on the player's choices so you know there are some things that will that are universal that will get triggered and especially like. They call them barks, which is like, you know, the basically barking out dialogue. Over there! Get him! He's there! Yeah. So you'll hear a lot of those things repeated over and over and over again. So they try to have those deliveries be a little a little generalized and, and, not, um, and not as stylized and not making really unusual choices because you're gonna he- the player's going to hear it over and over and over again. And when you do something that's really, really memorable, if you hear it 37 times, by that thir- 37th time, you hate it. You're like, just shut up already. Yeah. So we try to keep those fairly innocuous so that they, they stand up to repeat listenings. But, you know, the other stuff, um, they definitely will have certain things that you'll hear every time because it's sometimes that's the way they give the information or provide exposition without having to just stop and say, here's what's going on or put <laughs> a, you know, a cutscene or a text box or something. So it's just a way to, to propel the story forward and give the player the information they need, but also create atmosphere and create a world that just feels, you know, cohesive and and authentic and feels real. You know, in, in Shadow of Mordor, like, I, I would hear a lot of that, and I, I imagine, like, how much did they record for these orcs? Because a lot of the stuff would not get repeated. And, like, it, it, you had mentioned, you know, getting into character, getting into the world. Like, how does one get into, like, orc mindset? Like, what, 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 did, what was your process for that? <laughs> Well, I actually most of the um, most of the orc stuff. Well, that's not true. I guess on on Shadow of War, I actually did. I was an orc, and they, you know they've got ob- obviously all your dialogue there. And generally in games, you're working by yourself. Um, I was. It was really cool on that game. Who uh, the person who directed me on a lot of that stuff was JD Blanc, who if who's another uh, phenomenal, amazing voice actor. He's in everything, uh, and he's also a wonderful director. Um, and he's also a, just a wizard with dialects also. So he would actually read in, like if we had scenes, he'd read the other characters and we would have the conversation. He's in the control room, I'm in the booth. But we're going back and forth. And the writing's so good 
that, you know, I've always said that on any project, if the writer's done their job and the writing's good, the performance is on the page. Right. All it is is for us, it's, it's just up to us to just take what they gave us and then put it out there in the world. But they make our jobs so much easier. But with good writing, the performance is right there in front of you. All you have to do is pick it up and run with it. Um, and, the, you know, the orc stuff, there were so many lines as we were recording that we're just cracking up at the line because they're just so funny. Um, <laughs> and, and the biggest thing we did, when I, in fact, my introduction to that on Shadow of Mordor was, um, was doing the orc walla sessions um, where they put a group of us together because they had all the black speech chants that are going on behind whoever happens to be the player characters fighting at the moment. And there's, you know, there's all of these different orcs that you can fight that you may or may not run into. Yeah. So we ended up doing recording, basically musical chants in Black Speech as groups and doing all this orc <laughs> chanting. And we, it was such one of the most fun times I ever had. Because it was a group of some of the biggest name voice actors ever. And we're all friends and we were just having the best time. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and it all was. We had, we had the, it was so much fun. And then, uh, and then, you know, when you play the game, it just, it's, you feel like, okay, I just walked into this arena and, you know, and this other orc walked in and all the other orcs are cheering for him by name. And it's like, every time it's different. So you, it's that immersive thing again where you're like, oh, this, this is like a real place that I'm in. That was another crazy thing about that game is like, there's so many different names. Like, I could imagine, like, there was probably like some ridiculous, like, you know they threw in, like, all right, I'm just throwing this to get someone to laugh. I'm just throwing extra consonants <laughs> in there. <laughs> oh, no, no, there definitely are, yeah. But but they're all still, they're all still consistent with Tolkien. And yeah. With, so, you know, they were, they were very, very careful about making sure that it was accurate to the source material. And, yeah, they, they obviously will, some of the dialogue and some of the things that they'll kind of, you know, trip around with will be, will be there to entertain the players and us and, you know. Um, but so, yeah, it's... <laughs> It was definitely a lot of fun to work on. As a Lord of the Rings fan, it like pains me a little bit. It's like the best like Lord of the Rings game was with a character that's not canon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, well, that happens. Well, that's but that's kind of the reason you do the game, though, so is that you is to you know further the story and actually get to interact with some with some new ideas, new characters, and and particularly the fact that like when you're playing through a game that's based off of an existing property you kind of need to stick to what happens. You know, you yeah. got to follow the story, you got to follow the character arcs and what happens with a game like this. Anything it's, you know, it's so so full and vivid and and you know and well realized, but it's really cool to then jump into that world and go, "Oh, I don't know how this ends." Right. I don't know what this character is going to do. I don't know who this character is. I'm not I don't know where the story is going, so now it's up to me to find out. Right. And and on that same page, that's one of the things like some of my favorite Star Wars games are were like the Force Unleashed, the first one, because you're like, oh, yeah. who is this character? How, you know, you, yes, other people show up, Darth Vader, the Emperor, you, you see them, but like, where does this guy fit into the story that we've known for so long? And and then, oh yeah, if you go back well, even further, fan. Shadow of the Empire with Dash Rendar. Oh yeah, well I was see I was a huge fan of the Jedi Knight games oh. with Kyle Katarn. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and th- I mean, oh man, I loved those games because you know, first-person shooter on the Quake Three engine. So the, they were beautiful. They played well, but the music was all there. The sound effects, and you start playing those games, and you're like, ah, I'm in Star Wars now. Yeah, it was so, so, so immersive, and I really loved those games. And it was cool to be able to like take some side things. And of course, even Luke shows up at some point, and 
but it was very cool to be able to just live in that world, but then also discover it as opposed to, okay, well, first we have to escape from Mos Eisley, then we go to the Death right. Star, and then, right. you know, which was cool, but it, it's, it's even cooler to jump into that world and just learn it as you go with all the stuff that you already know. Very, very exactly. cool. Exactly. Then, then you can kind of imagine yourself living in that world where, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know all these people you're meeting, but some of them are. You know, some of them are, are familiar, and, and, you know, that's what makes a really fun experience, which is, you know, bringing it all back to Spider-Man. It's a similar thing with Spider the Spider-Man game is, you know, this is, you know, one of the, you know, the uh, a fresh take on a lot of these people. You know, first thing, like, I forget, it was like 15 minutes into the game or whatever, you know, he's already got his new PlayStation exclusive suit on, and you're like, oh, shit, I kind of like that. Like that's actually yeah, really yeah. cool, and you know, I just feel the one time, the one thing, the one thing where they dropped the ball. Black suit, yes, has to have a black suit, but I'm sure that'll come in DLC. Yeah, somewhere. I'm sure it'll be later. <laughs> well, and by the way, I just have to add one other thing about that. If they do, if they were to do a live action thing with Mister Negative, and they don't cast Stephen L. Young in it, then I'm gonna. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh he was fantastic. He was he was He's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's really funny. He's also a very, aside from being a great actor, he's a martial artist. He's a stuntman. And he's stupidly good looking, too. So it's like you look at that guy, you're like, the, the guy you see in the game, that's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like when you see him walking down the street, that's, you're like, oh, it's Mr. Negative. Crap, I better run. Yeah, they should totally do that. I, w- I would have yeah. wished. And so I'm just like, anybody, if you're going to make that, if you're going to do that, you have to cast him because he's the man. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, even if, you know. And they do this all the time with you know the the Marvel movies and you know and, and even DC movies. You'll see a character in the background, and it's not it's not the fully fleshed out like villain or sidekick or whatever. But you're like, oh shit, that's him. You know that, and yeah. you know, yeah. even if he's just like he's hanging out with Aunt May at the you know at the uh, food shelter thing, and he's just like, oh hey Peter, and, and then he just walks by. That would be awesome too, because then you know that they're like a little little tip of the hat to all the fans out there. Absolutely. I really, I and I, I had a feeling they were going to do it, but it would have been really cool, you know, as a fan, as a Spider-Man fan, like to see, you know, battered Venom, you know, and have a Martin Lee turn him into anti-Venom. And I knew they were going to do it because, you know, the, that's what happens in the comics, but I was like, oh, it would have been really awesome if they did it. Hey, man, there's uh, plenty of DLC coming, I'm sure, so um, don't don't write it off. Plus, I think uh, the, you know, good segue, Christian. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, with the success of the new- newly released Venom movie, um, which I guess I guess critics aren't crazy about it, but people are going and seeing it, so that's the important part. Uh, yeah, fans have eaten it up. Yeah, yeah, the critics hate it, the fans love it. Yeah, I- I'm hoping that you know they'll do a, like a Venom DLC because that's one of my that's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains, of course. You know, everyone loves the black suit era. Hello. Um, but uh, you know, um, we've all kind of seen seen this movie and you know spoilers to anyone who hasn't uh hasn't seen that movie yet but go out and check it out venom you know is really good you know and it's about as about as good a movie as you can make about venom without having spider-man in it see and, like, <laughs> and, that, and that's that's the only thing um tom hardy great yes love oh, absolutely yeah. loved him loved him loved him he was fantastic plays crazy amazing so well yeah he, he was i mean it's tom hardy so you of know course. it's kind of a no-brainer but um but yeah, that was I kind of had to go into it with that mentality of all right, I'm just going to take this as its own thing um, because you cannot, in any you know fan sense, you cannot have venom without. Thank you. Right. 
Thank obviously, you. because Thank you. but then but here's the problem: if you're going to do that, then you're then you just opened a whole can of worms because you got to do the whole Secret Wars storyline if you're going to actually have him get the symbiote and get the suit. And so that's a huge, huge thing to go there to introduce that character. So right. I actually I thought they handled it well with the way they introduced the symbiotes in this movie. Right. I thought I think if, so without too. Without connecting it to Spider-Man, I was like, "All right, you know what? I I can I can follow you here. I can go with you on that." Yeah, if I if I had to think up a story of where Eddie Brock is somehow introduced the symbiote without a Spider-Man aspect to it, I think they did a great job. I think, you know, it's Yeah. Um I also like that it was still uh, J Jonah Jameson's yeah, son. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. Yeah, they yeah. they did drop some when, stuff. When they said there was like Jameson, I'm like, "Oh, but they never said Daily Bugle." He said No, they the didn't say yeah. A Bugle. I don't it, Oh, did he? Oh. No, 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 not not um like his girlfriend. Hey, the bugle. His girlfriend had mentioned that he got fired from something, but it wasn't At one Daily point they bugle. ate bugles, you know, the snack <laughs> food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so there you go. That's that's how they <laughs> That's my, how they did. It. A little like, tip of the hat. If and I think he may have been wearing Bugle Boy jeans. Oh, there we go. Got him. Maybe. Like if I, yeah. if I wasn't Maybe. a Spider-Man fan and I knew nothing about Spider-Man, then I'd be like, awesome. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's like. Well, well, first, I think that I think that the suit and the symbiote themselves looked awesome. Yeah, no, I love that yeah. they talked. And to it them. was smart that they pulled the spider logo off of it because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have made, and you're like, why is that there? It wasn't a spider. Like, they're, just, they're, they're just like have spiders on comets now. I don't know what's going on. Be, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think it looked, you know, um, I read a little article about that. How like, oh, we pulled the spider uh, logo off of it, and in all the clips I kind of seen, I actually never noticed it until well, someone they, pointed they it do out. Put like a very yeah. muted white. Yeah, he's like, got kind of like veins or something, you know, yeah. coming on. It's his tinted. See, and one of the things for me that probably won me over is that it was shot in San Francisco. Born, I'm born and raised in San Francisco, you know. Yeah. So it's like, oh, there goes that street. Oh, there goes that street. Like, oh, my God, they don't connect. I did notice. <laughs> so I did notice. You're, it's funny you're pointing that out. They went around the same block like yeah, three times. times. For anyone who's who's from here, it's like, wait, they, wait, no, Kearney doesn't go there. Like, yeah. what's they're just they're just circling the block over and over in that motorcycle. Well, chase. there was probably only so much they could destroy in the city. <laughs> yeah. Well, and most movies set in L.A. are, you know, places that are nowhere near one another or don't connect in any yeah. way unless there's a wormhole or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it just I guess me, so. I just experienced that in my hometown. Then. Yeah, it's funny. Ant-Man was that way, too. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Where, where they're like, you're like oh, oh, they're crossing the Golden Gate Bridge, but they're actually going the wrong way. <laughs> hey, yeah, that doesn't need to there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But uh, he's Ant-Man. What are you going to yeah, do? Exactly. But um, but yeah, I, I think, you know. It's good a movie you can make without having Spider-Man. Now, one of the, the I was surprised originally when they said they were going to make it without Spider-Man because part of like Venom's character is that he's a f- complete foil of Spider-Man. Right. You know, he's he's Spider-Man without Peter Parker's you know you know Boy Scout you know wanting to do good, constantly doing the right thing, holding himself but back. Were, but those were things that the symbiote took from Peter. Though. That's correct. It, it so it did have some of those qualities that it picked up from him, which it then you know kind of helped help with help Venom not yeah, be a complete jerk. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, still just as a fan, one of my favorite panels from that period um, is is when he finally gets when Peter gets rid of the symbiote suit, where he's that full page shot of him in the bell tower, holding his hands to his head with the bell ringing and the su- and the symbiote starting to come off. Yeah. That's one of oh, my favorite so panels from that period. Such a great piece of art. Yeah, so good. And 
And thinking back to Spider-Man 3, that was so terrible. <laughs> you know, and, and here's the thing. I love the first two Sam Raimi Me films too. because they because he did the comic. Yeah. He did the comic. I'm like, this is the comic book. I'm happy with this. The third one, I love Topher Grace. I love him as an actor. <laughs> Not his fault, but just casting him as Eddie Brock just didn't make any sense. Right. Um, still a fan. Think he's fantastic. That 70s show, amazing. Oh, so I, I think he's... Yeah, he's he's great. So it has nothing. It's not. Uh, and Thomas Hayden Church, Sandman. Why was he even there? I love him. He's a great actor. Yeah, but I will say yeah, he did very much look the part kinda. for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh no, absolutely. No, he did. He but did. that's but because Sam like, Raimi. That was his favorite villain was Sandman. So he threw him yeah. in there. Actually, which is an abuse of power, Sam. <laughs> actually, really love. And again, love Sam Raimi too. Yeah. So, in the second know. film with Doc Ock when he first starts killing the physicians like yo like that was shot like a horror film I was like, oh yeah with like, the, the it was shot like evil Dead. yeah exactly i was like that was great like this is awesome yeah you just see the and arms by the way, gotta throw that in there too alfred molina was great as Doctor. oh he was absolutely i thought he was fantastic so yeah he i mean i really loved him in that film. i think of those movies um, he that one was probably my favorite was uh spider-man 2 because he was great uh, um and then you get kind of you know um the Green Goblin kind of hanging over from yeah, the first yeah. one, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was well, I will, okay, I'll say something controversial here then. Maybe my favorite of the movies is actually the first Andrew Garfield movie. Ooh. Am- and, amazing. I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I love the first two Sam Raimi movies because they're the comic book. Yeah. The thing I love, and for me, especially with reboots, you know, reimaginings, all that sort of stuff. If you if you've already told the the original source origin story in a film and you've done it right, yeah, okay. If you're gonna do it again, give me a reason to see it. Give me a different story. You've already given me what I needed as a fan. Now let's go somewhere else. It's kind of like the thing we were talking about with the game. So I love the fact that they changed it up enough that it was a different take on where it went. And the biggest thing for me is the one returning to web shooters because the web shooters are such a plot device in all of the history of spider-man and it's also part of peter's genius but the way that he moves and fights in that first movie when i saw that i was like that's spider-man right there yeah the way he moves the way he fights everything i was like that's what spider-man should look like that's how he should move that's how he should fight and i feel like i'm seeing the comic pages just jumping out at me yeah i'll agree i was i was pretty impressed with that first andrew garfield one the second one less so but um <laughs> to be kind used to, to be kind um and but i'll admit i haven't i haven't seen the second one i've actually not seen yeah you don't need one, to so. it's fine <laughs> yeah. you're, you're okay yeah. maybe to be a completist you know it's it's worth yeah. checking out but no i it's think it's not like not reading dune basically. yeah exactly exactly no one's gonna fault you for that one um yeah. but yeah no i agree i think andrew garfield did a good job i don't think he was as good of a peter parker as toby Maguire was and even well, yeah, Toby. And even uh, I mean, I ooh, why can't I think yeah. of what's the new kid's name? Oh my god! Uh, anyway, Holland, Holland, Tom Holland. You're right. Yeah, um, I knew that. I was just letting you guys twist. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's not alliteration. If it's not Peter Parker or Bruce Banner, you know, or Clark yeah. Kent, it's like I, I yeah. need those the alliteration to help me out. Uh, Tom Tom Holland, yeah. um, I think he does a good job at both roles, both Spider Man oh, and Peter Parker. I loved Homecoming. I thought Homecoming was great, it, and I loved his introduction so in Civil War too. And I loved uh, Michael Keaton 
as the vulture. Oh, Michael Keaton was amazing. He was so the good. scene where he's in I mean, the car. Keaton, so hello. Wait, wait, he's in the car with Peter Parker, and you know his you know daughter goes in and whatever, and he puts the gun uh-huh. on the back of the seat. I was like, this is chilling. This, <laughs> yeah, this is acting at its finest, and this is like you know it's a superhero movie. You know you don't, but like that scene alone was like holy shit. He is. The vulture. He I, is a bad guy, you the, know? The costume yeah. was great, too. I was wondering how they were going to handle oh, yeah, yeah. it. I was like, you know, it's not going to be some dude in, like, you know, spandex. <laughs> spandex <laughs> giant wing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was really cool. Um, And, I, and I'm and i excited to see where Spider-Man goes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or, you know, hopefully it comes back. Um, it's just going to be dust. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. just keep him in a jar. Yeah, They're yeah. like, well, well, spun while it lasted. The few things they've shown from from shooting Far From Home so far are looking good, and it's cool that he's got the black suit too. So, yeah. you know, he's got like the original black and red. It's a variation on the original black and red from when they first introduced the character in the comics. So, so remember, it wasn't blue at first; it was black. Oh, you should know that. Yeah, 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 you have a fancy. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm I'm excited for it. Um, I think that <laughs> I think it is funny that Mercer Tomei is Aunt May because that's. By far the hottest Aunt May that's ever been. <laughs> oh, good lord! No kidding. I mean, I, I, I'm not arguing with it. It's an interesting choice, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, no complaints. But I, I will say it is funny. Uh, Tony Stark's commenting on her because I'm like, because he's saying what everyone else is saying. He's like, "That's your aunt." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but um, yeah, if, and if he hadn't noticed that, he wouldn't be Tony Stark. Right, exactly. You know, that that's part of his character. His core of his character. I will say, um, you know, uh, my only mm, – it's not even a complaint, really. It might, it's, it's an observation is that it's interesting to have Homecoming come out and um, have it be uh, just treated like a character who's already established. They didn't, they didn't re-go over the origin, which I liked. I actually – I, yeah, uh, I like, appreciate that. that that's my it. thing with that. Again, is we, we all know it, yeah. and it's been done right. Sam Raimi did it right, so – don't beat a dead horse. Let's go right. somewhere else now. And it, it's, it, I think it was the right choice, but it's also kind of a bold choice. I think, you know, that's why, you know, it's kind of a cool, uh, I think, Mar- you know, obviously having Marvel Studios have their hand in it is the right choice for everything. They have a pretty good track record so far. Sure. Um, so I think it's really cool that they took that choice. They listened to the fans. And, like, we don't want to see Uncle Ben die again, man. It's it's rough. It's, yeah, that's, that was hard. It's hard. It's hard every time. It's hard so every time. Does, yeah. Doesn't matter if it's in a, you know, a video game, a comic book page, or a t- TV show or a movie. You know, it's always hard. But we get that. We understand that. We don't need to right. see it over and over again. So it's it really cool to see a movie where they just they're like, hey, you guys know Spider Man. Here's a story with Spider Man in it, and it's right. you know, so good. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this one question, which I found, you know, while researching you and your role, various roles. Tell us the next games you're working on that you can't know. No. <laughs> True or false? Yeah. Halo 6. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, is it true that you were one of the cows in the Happy California Cows commercial? Uh, I wasn't actually. Oh. Um, they, they, the the original run of those spots, they redid them, probably I don't know, two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually the announcer Uh-oh. on all of those spots. Oh, I get it. So yeah, 
Yeah, so at the end of those, you'll hear, great cheese comes from happy cows. <laughs> happy cows come from California. You know what's funny? That really was the other thing. I was like, I've been hearing your voice for years. That's almost better than being oh. one of the cows. I think that's better. Here. I, I, well, because I was in all of them. Actually, here's another one for you. You ready for this yeah. one? Despite the morning fade and under 300 calories, Jimmy Bean, shine on. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> or or right now, um, let's see, what, what is it? What's the line? Um, <clears throat> Make your yard a Scott's yard. Oh. Those, yeah, those are all the things that are on Scott's right turf builder. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, it, it's it's funny to think, you know, I think most people can go through their whole lives listening to you know playing video games you know and listening to commercials and not realizing that there's work that goes into every single thing you see every voice has a person behind it oh yeah and i mean it's well, it's I, so awesome to actually get to meet and talk with these people you know who well I'll, I'll tell you the truth i mean part of it is that yeah there there's much more awareness of us now than there ever has been and uh and in no small part to people like you guys because you know, uh, this is the third podcast I've done in the last three nights, and they've all been so much fun, and you guys have, have all been awesome, and it's been so much fun just getting to talk shop and geek out. And But really, it's, you know, a, a lot of the fan community has been so unbelievably supportive of us and in following what we do and following us from project to project and kind of keeping track of what we're working on and, and sharing it with people. And, like, we, we all, the whole community, I can tell you because we talk about this stuff, we all appreciate all of you so, so much. I cannot stress enough how much we appreciate the love and attention and, and, and you know, positive feedback. And just everything we get from you guys is, the, is just the best thing in the world. And we appreciate you so much. And a lot of that has to do with, with things like this, like this podcast, with people on social media, sharing our work, talking about it, and, you know, going to conventions and... So we just we really want to thank you guys so so much for for everything you do for us and it really does mean the world to us and I want you to know that. Oh, and, and dude, and vice versa. I mean, like when we live in in a world in times like this where there's so much shittiness everywhere, and you're like, you know what? I, just I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> just to be like, I want to escape this reality and like pop on a video game and just escape for a sec. So like, yeah, vice versa. Thank you yeah. for the entertainment. You yeah, know? and you know. It's it's so our pleasure. It really it's is. It's the little really things, is. too, you know, not having to hear the same voice over and over again in, in video games. Because, you know, we all played Ocarina of Time. And, you know, listen, <laughs> listen, hey, hey, <laughs> listen. <laughs> you know, it. We, we've come a long uh-huh. way is all I'm saying. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we really appreciate Dave coming on and, you know, talking to us. And, um, you know, we look we all look forward to uh, seeing more and more of uh, of your great work. So, uh let us know where uh, where our fans can find you on Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Uh, um, Twitter and Instagram are I, I'm pretty active on both. Um, actually, my Twitter followers doubled since Spider Man came out, which is just amazing, and I'm still kind of blown away. By oh, well, get that. ready but, uh, for after this episode goes live, you might have another ten or fifteen people. <laughs> oh yeah, enough to take over the world. Um, so it's the same thing on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Dave B Mitchell. Um, I do have a Facebook fan page. Kind of let that one fall by the wayside because the way that their algorithm works, like I'll post something and three people will see it. You don't get a lot of interaction, and so what's the point? Yeah, so the Russians are messing it all up. On, on, yeah, I'm super active. Exactly, super active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I try to be 
I try to be really interactive. You know, anybody that posts anything sends me a message. Um, uh, you know, fortunately, I'm at the point I've got a couple thousand followers right now. It's not like Yuri, who's got you know eighty thousand followers, and he, you know, he tries to respond as much as he can. But th- that's overwhelming. That's a full-time There's job. No way you can keep up. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but for me, I'm at the point right now where I'm really happy that I can actually directly interact with people. And I figure if somebody took their time to find me on Twitter, to find me on Instagram, come on there and tell me they like my work or say, you know, just say something nice. Of course, I'm going to take my time to respond and thank them. And, and I try to just try to be as responsive as I can, because, you know, I say this a million times, but, um, you know, without all of you, the, the fact that anybody I don't know personally or I'm not related to gives a crap that I want to do this for a living is still kind of amazing to me. So so without all of you, it, what we do doesn't matter. So um, definitely at Davey Mitchell on Twitter and Instagram, um, say hi. I promise I'll say hi back. Um, and just I try to be really interactive because I really, really do appreciate every single one of you. And the support has been uh, really I'm kind of overwhelmed by it. And I just I'm still kind of trying to process it. But I just I appreciate I appreciate it so, so much. And I just want to thank everybody. So, yeah. And if you press him hard enough, he will podcast with you. So, you know. <laughs> That's that's out yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah, it's real tough. Hey, Dave, want to do this show? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for coming on, taking the time. We really appreciate it, Christian. Oh, you bet, guys. Thank you. As always, thank you for uh, being my uh, trusty trust co-host. And to all the nerds out there, remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you and good night. saw my handle it's the one gorn i'm obsessed with the gorn so yeah well, i have a i have a tiki cup of the gorn sitting right behind me as you should yeah <laughs> one of the, the most gorn is the holiest of beings yeah one of the most epic fights of all time ah it's the best but of course the question being it's like why didn't the gorn just eat his head yeah i don't know he could have it's right there he's got this big mouth and we'll just eat his head it's over <laughs> he was too busy getting hit in the head with rocks well, true. well, and then, of course, he throws the boulder, and it leaves his hands at, like, two miles per hour. But when it gets to Kirk, it's moving at, like, Mach 6. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's movie space, magic. man. It's gravity. It works <laughs> yeah, different it's out gra- there. Yeah. Well, and then, and then the Metrons are, like, the most, the, 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 I don't know, what are they? They're, they're the most hypocritical race ever. <laughs> like, you, you know, by sparing your opponent, you've displayed the advanced trait of mercy. If you like, we should destroy him for you. Well, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Come on, man. You're praising us for mercy. You're like, we'll kill him if you want. It's cool. I'm like, mm, all right, well. yeah, exactly.